There's always a Christmas morning, a stillness in the earth. There's always a church bell ringing to tell of the Savior's birth. There's always the special pleasure in sharing gifts of cheer and peace on earth, goodwill to men to last throughout the year. There's always a Christmas morning and sparkling eyes that glow as little ones open presents beneath the mistletoe. There's always a Christmas morning as long as there is love and those who share and those who care are guided from above. Today is Christmas and we have journeyed through the Advent season. We have built Bethlehem. We have been singing our favorite carols of old time and time again. We've heard the Christmas scriptures on the different Sundays of Advent and it's all led up to this very special day, Christmas Day. Christmas doesn't fall on a Sunday very often. In fact, it's gonna be a long time before it falls on a Sunday again. But, but when it does, I think it's very fitting that we gather here to worship and celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ. Now, there's always irony when people say, do I have to come to church on Christmas? Think about that for a minute. You don't have to, but it's fitting that we are worshiping this morning. A number of years ago, we were having walked through Bethlehem. This has probably been seven or eight years ago. And, and there was a Woodmont member who was sitting in the mansion, uh, volunteering, answering the phone. Because people call, they have questions about where to go and how do you get in line and how late are you doing this? And, and so anyway, there's a man who was across the street in the apartments and he kept calling and he was very angry and very loud and he was belligerent. And he was yelling into the phone saying, turn those bells down. They're driving me crazy. And as I walked by, the volunteer kind of looked at me and said, what, what should I do? What should I say? And I said, just tell him Merry Christmas and, and tell him that he might want to get over here really fast because he needs to meet Jesus right now. You know, there are many people in our world that need to meet Jesus, but they just don't know it. They don't realize it. For some reason this year, I've been thinking a lot about what it would be like to be celebrating Christmas in the Ukraine. Russia invaded that country last spring. And so after eight months of, of war and homes and buildings and schools being wiped out, uh, apartment complexes and churches being bombed, families have fled, thousands and thousands of lives has, have been lost. You know, in most parts of that country, there is no power, there is no heat. We had to go for maybe 15 or 20 minutes without power here in Nashville, but, but they're having to live with that. And I'm sure for many people living in the Ukraine this Christmas, it feels like there is no hope. But if you heard their president, Vladimir Zelensky gave a speech this past week to Congress. What did he say? With his thick accent, he said, we'll celebrate Christmas. And even if there is no electricity, the light of our faith in ourselves will not be put out. If Russian missiles attack us, I can't do his accent. We'll do our best to protect ourselves. If they attack us with Iranian drones and our people will have to go to bomb shelters on Christmas Eve, Ukrainians will still sit down at the holiday table and cheer each other up. And we don't have to know everyone's wish as we know that all of us, millions of Ukrainians, wish the same victory, 
only victory. Can you imagine what it would be like to be celebrating Christmas in the Ukraine this year? But the truth is you don't have to be in the Ukraine to feel lonely and afraid. Many people feel it here. The great irony of this new age of technology, texting, Facebook, Twitter, is that people are actually lonelier today than they've ever been before. And it's sad because loneliness is painful. Relationships and human connection is what we all long for, especially at Christmas. We all know that there is a secular side and a spiritual side to Christmas. And, and I would probably think it's safe to say that we've all kind of had it with the secular side, the shopping, the lines, the traffic, all the hustle and bustle around, especially in this part of town. But how are you doing this morning on the spiritual side of Christmas? Deep down in your soul, what do you really want for Christmas this year? You know, I find myself coming back to Amy Grant's song. I mentioned it the first Sunday of Advent or the second Sunday of Advent. She called it my grown-up Christmas list. Do you remember me? I sat upon your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. Well, I'm all grown up now and still need help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list, not for myself, but for a world in need. No more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. What's your grown-up Christmas list? What's your spiritual Christmas list this year? Is it a longing for peace? Is it to experience more joy on a regular basis? Is it for a marriage to be healed or reconciled? Is it to handle stress a little bit better? Is it to stop worrying all the time about things that are beyond your control? Is it to find some friends who genuinely care about you? Is it to move further along in the process of grief and sadness? Is it to grow closer to God, to experience God's presence, to feel God's love and God's peace in your life. My guess is it's somewhere in there, your grown up Christmas wish. And if that's the case, then our gospel reading this morning is for you. You know, John's gospel is the most spiritual of the gospels. It's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what we call the synoptic gospels. Um, John wrote this gospel at the end of the first century. He was in Ephesus. He was reflecting back upon Jesus's life and ministry and, and all that he did and what it meant. Clement of Alexandria once said, John was not just interested in the mere facts of Jesus's life and ministry, but also in the meaning of those facts. John was after the truth. John did not see the events of Jesus's life and ministry just as things that happened in time, but as windows looking into eternity. The language of the fourth gospel is, is beautiful, it's poetic. John writes, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. One of the most challenging texts to comprehend because here John unveils his understanding of the mystery of the incarnation, what do these words tell us about the nature of Jesus Christ and the nature of God? 
you know, you'll notice that John doesn't have a nativity narrative like Matthew and Luke. Those two gospels give us the stories of Bethlehem and tells us about Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus and how there was no room in the inn, the wise men, the shepherds, the angels. But, but John begins with the cosmic pre-existence of the word and the word's relationship to the world. Pretty deep stuff. So we could say that Christ coming into the world at Christmas opened up a window for us to see God, to experience God and to understand the, the, the true nature of God, which is love. It was only when Jesus came to earth in human form that humans were able to fully understand the true nature of God. God meets us where we are. You know, up until that point, people thought that God was vengeful or angry or full of wrath and, 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 and all of those kind of uh, Old Testament notions that, that people had of God that was their only Bible then, remember that? But it turns out that that's not the nature of God. God is peaceful. God is loving. God is gracious. God is life-giving. And so Jesus opened up a window in time so that we can glimpse the eternal and unchanging love of God. I love the story about the girl who, who got the new paint set for Christmas and she quickly went over to the easel and she started painting and her mother walked over and said, sweetheart, what, what are you doing? And she said, I'm painting a picture of God. And, and the mother kind of laughed and said, well, sweetie, but no, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl kept painting and she said, well, they will when I'm done. <laughs> the truth is Jesus Christ shows us the true nature of God. Christ showed us how God is calling us to live and to be, to love to show mercy, to show compassion, or, or as one of my old uh, seminary professors put it, the God known in Jesus Christ is God over us, God for us, and God in us. The loving God, the gracious Lord Jesus Christ, and the community creating spirit of God. Now, is all of this easy to grasp? No. It's not easy to grasp. I've told you before that theology is a lifelong endeavor and we spend our entire lives seeking God and searching for God and trying to trust God with our, with our lives. But, but, but it's not easy, but there must be room for mystery. Do you remember what John Wesley said one time? He said, bring me a worm that can comprehend man and I'll show you a man that can completely comprehend the triune God. There must be room for mystery. Without mystery, it is not faith. As Christians, we focus on Christ. And Jesus Christ has always been and will always be the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light that enlivens every person was coming into the world. This is why we celebrate Christmas because Christmas reminds us that we are called to be the light to a broken and hurting world. You know, we still live in a world today where the light and the darkness wrestle with each other. In fact, if we're honest, we know that there's still a lot of darkness in our world. There's war, there's anger, there's poverty, 
there's selfishness and greed and, and, and some of that darkness we actually find within our own hearts because we all hurt, we all struggle, we all suffer, we all stumble, depression, despair, disappointment, defeat, all are part of living in a broken world, a fallen world. The human condition is a complicated one. God has given us the capacity to love each other and to, and to put each other first and to serve each other and to care for each other, which means we don't have to journey alone. We believe in community. We believe in the church. We believe that we can support each other through life. But we also know very well that there's this other side to our nature as well. And sometimes it seems like we push love out of the way and anger and resentment and selfishness and jealousy and fear and bitterness and greed and hostility take over inside of us. And this isn't the way we want things to be. This isn't the way we want to act. It's just the way that we sometimes act when we're stressed out and when we're hurt and when we're afraid. And it happens more than we'd like to admit. Like Paul says, I don't understand my own actions for I do the very thing that I hate. This is the human dilemma. And all of us, no matter who we are, live with this ongoing tension, I think, this struggle between the way that God calls us to be and the way that our sinful nature often has us be. We wrestle with this every day. But at Christmas, we celebrate the light because it's the light that wins. It's the light that drives out the darkness. In the words of Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who've lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Will these words be true for you today on Christmas? I love John's gospel because it reminds us that the darkness never has the final say. And at Christmas, we celebrate the most magnificent child ever born into the world. Christmas is all about growing in our spiritual lives in a world that often causes us to be anything but spiritual. Christmas is about accepting and embracing the change in life because every year when we have Christmas, things have changed. Children have grown older. We've lost people that we've loved. And that's all a part of the cycle of life. And so what we do is we come together and we decorate and we put the candles up and we sing with hope and joy, silent night, holy night, darkness flies, all is light. Silent night, holy night, son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Or, or hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. O come, desire of nations bind, all people in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease and fill the whole world with heaven's peace. How are you feeling this Christmas? Chances are you're wrestling with something different than you were a year ago or three years ago. Life is full of change. Change is what brings loss and loss brings grief and we all have to learn to grieve and the best way we can grieve is by doing it together and by loving each other. But I believe that this Christmas and every Christmas, our charge is to be the light. 
Be the light in your family. Be the light with your friends. Be the light wherever you work. Be the light in your community. Be the light in your church. Be the light in your neighborhood. Be the light in this world. Because as long as we have Jesus Christ, the darkness will never win. And the light drives it out. So go and be the light. Be the light. That's what I hear in John's gospel. And are we always good at doing that? No. But can we remind ourselves and each other that that's what Christ calls us to do on Christmas and every day? Absolutely. Be the light. Be the light and the darkness will never win. Would you join me in prayer? God, give us eyes this Christmas to see the Christmas star and give us ears to hear the song of angels from afar and with our eyes and ears attuned for a message from above, let Christmas angels speak to us of hope and faith and love, hope to light our pathway when the way ahead is dark, to sing through stormy days with the sweetness of a lark, faith to trust in things unseen and to know beyond all seeing that it's only in your love that we live and have our being and love to break down barriers of color, race, and creed, to see and understand and help all those who are in need. Lord, all of this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who calls all of us to be the light as he is the light. Amen.